Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. March 25th. It's pretty sunny, but there is a bite to the air. Yes, even seeing some of the river opening up close to uh, the garden center here, it looks like some of the ducks are coming. I don't know if they're coming back or if there's a few in the neighborhood that have just hung around all winter. But boy, oh boy, we'd love to see the sun warm things up and start melting. But I think we need a nice, slow, steady thaw this year. A little bit of a difference for us here at the Garden Center, too. I like telling you a little bit about what we do here is, yes, we're planting. Boy, the crops are sure growing with the warmth of the inside the greenhouses. But it's a little bit different than last year when we were moving to our outbuildings at plus eight. We're now, yeah, we're putting a little bit of extra labor in warming our carts with thermal blankets to get them out. But that just tells you. A little bit of a difference, a little bit of difference in the weather. So, yep, spring is a little bit late. So let's listen to the poem, Late Spring. Ah, who will tell me in these leaden days why the sweet spring delays and where she hides the dear desire of every heart that longs for bloom and fragrance and the ruby fire of maple buds along the misty hills and that immortal call of the fills the waiting wood with songs the snowdrops came so long ago it seemed that spring was near but then returned the snow with biting winds and the earth grew sear and sudden sullen clouds drooped low to veil the sadness of hope deferred then rain, 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 insistent rain, beat on the window pane, though of which I watched a solitary bird that braved the tempest, buffeted and tossed with rumpled feathers down the wind again. Oh, where the seeds all lost, where winter laid the wild flowers in their tomb, I searched their haunts in vain for blue hepatas and trilliums white and trailing arbutus. The spring's delight. Starring the withered leaves of rosy bloom, the woods were bare, and every night the frost to all the longing spoke a silent nay, and told me spring was far, far away. Even the ribbit, the robins were too cold to sing, except a broken and discouraged note, only a tuneful sparrow, on whose throat music has put. Her triple fingerprint lifted his head and sang my heart a hint. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait a while for spring. It will come. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. The lines are open if you want to write it down. 1-800-374-3315. Now, when we go into looking at spring... There's a few people that have sort of been posting and sort of seeing, and I've I had a couple of people share the beautiful northern lights 
that are this green neon that's happening ab- above our cities in, in Manitoba. Have you seen them? They are beautiful. It makes me want to stay up a little bit later, hang out at the garden center where it's nice and dark, and take in this light show. So I, I appreciate some of the postings that people have sent me seeing some of these beautiful, phenomenal colors. Um, fortunate, I've got a sister that's way up north that is seems to get these a lot. And it's nice that we get a little bit of a tease, but yes, it has that limerick green color tone to it. So I hope that we're all able to enjoy it and take a look at it because soon spring will be here and soon we will be seeing green. All right. Now, when we start off with it, there's a few questions that are happening in out and about is, are we seeding? Yes, we are seeding. And there's kind of a timeline schedule that you, uh, have you started your tomatoes? Have you started? Yeah, there's a conversation about tomatoes and your peppers. So if you're looking at it, sometimes it's, uh, we want to definitely start getting your hotter peppers a little bit sooner. If you're a little late getting those going, they seem to take a little bit longer time and need a longer germination period and growth period that's on there. So we want to get our crops kind of growing. And who does not want to put their hands in the soil and start it? Like I said, there's a few people that come in and they just said their comment is, I just want to smell the soil and I want to see things growing. Yes, even your small garden centers or your small plantings, it's exciting when you start to see that seed break and start to emerge. All right. It is a sunny day in Manitoba and it's I got a little bit of warmth to that uh, sun that's out there right now. I know that when we walked through the garden centers first thing this morning, it was a little bit uh, early. So the, you know, the heaters were going, but right now, as soon as that heat warms up, yeah, we rely on that beautiful sun to get us going. Now, question is, have you started your seeding? And if you have not, I'm going to prepare you with a little bit of tips because not knowing where you are located, um, down a little bit south, I hear the cherry trees are in blossom for some people. Yes, that would be a beautiful sight to see. And know that in different provinces, their stages of growth have different meaning. So where you are, here's some tips for seeding. All right. If you have trials and challenges or uh, ideas or what you want to do, you can chime in. Let me know how you do with your seeding. But I want to start you off sort of the basics of seeding that's in there. We talked about transplanting and seeding is important with the type of soil and the soil is indicative of how successful we will be. Now, Seeding mixes are basically peat-based mixes that are on there. It's a seed blend. It's a little bit lighter on there. And most of the organic mixes that you're looking at for starting your seeding is great for uh, germinating of your flower seeds, your vegetables, great for herbs. And if you're doing some of your cuttings that are on there, it's a good base for that. Now, if you're looking at some of the seed blend mixes, um, we really like the ProMix one, it's already got some um, mycorrhizals if, you've, if you're knowing that um, some stimulants or a little bit of active fertilizers that will self-feed them for uh, a portion of some months ahead. So you're not really actively doing a, a watering or a fertilizing on top until you see the, 
secondary or third leaves and get it some growing. So there's ample fertilizer already in these blended seed mix for you to get growing. Now, starting off your seed mixes in it, I always like to work with my soil a little bit wet just because I will put it in a uh, big mixer. I like a little bit of dampness to it because depending on the size of the seed, it's when you decide whether you want to put it further down in the soil a little bit or if you lay it on the top. Now, the soil is important too because if we have a little bit of heavy, um, I should say that if we have a little bit of garden soil that we've kept over for seeding, some of our soils naturally are very clay based i know around winnipeg they are brandon you made you're going to have a little bit more sandier or siltier uh soil so you have to sort of adjust your seating if you're using some of that uh measures of some of that soil but peat boss is the great way of sort of starting things off to go through it now when i say that we're going to put some moisture in it i like it because peat moss is very light at the very beginning it helps to hold moisture a little bit longer And the reason why I start wet is if I have a tendency to put some seeds a little bit below and I am working with dry soil, my seeds have a tendency to kind of float to the surface again. And where I want, if it's larger, I want to have it just slightly under the soil. If they're very tiny, and I know when we're looking at the seeding here, um, we kind of cheat, we do it on a more of a a bigger scale Uh, we have a little vacuum that will suck up one little tiny petunia seed. And if you have seeded petunias before or near Ambergia, you'll understand that the size of some seeds, yes, the the size of some seeds are like hitting the paper of the most sharpened pencil. And it's a tiny little point. So doing that by hand, I give you a shout out and going yay because sometimes we'll put two, three, four, five seeds if doing by hand because we have to uh, drop them. It's harder. Uh, we're lucky here. We have this vacuum base that will just suck up one seed on a tray and hold it. But we're not doing one seed. We're doing like 300 seeds at one time. It's kind of interesting to see and kind of interesting to watch you do that. But sowing by hand, there's something that's rewarding about it. It's that rhythm of putting a seed to soil and then watching it grow. So again, little tiny seed, just gently put to the top surface. It doesn't need to go below. And then you'll be able to control how much moisture you're putting on it when it starts to break and germinate. If it's a little bit of a larger seed, tuck it a little bit below into the soil. There's always opportunity to push push it down a little bit later on that's on it and creating a warmth area because it's the warmth of the soil that is going to help you with germination so you need heat you need moisture and of course sometimes you need the soil but we know also know that some seeds will break open if placed in some water but Eventually, they need to go into the soil to give them some uh, sustenance to hold them. Now, someone was in the other day, and I love relaying this because there's so much different scenarios and so many different ways of doing your seeding. Now, if you have a larger seed, um, you may want to soak them in water overnight. Uh, Sometimes we will soak our uh, forget-me-nots or we'll do our castor beans or we'll do our lupins. Yes, the dreaded lupin for me because I can grow it here in a pot, but I can never grow 
a lupin in my backyard. Yep, that one is a big failure for me, and I know some people are very successful with it. They have the perfect spot for it. So knowing that you have all these compositions, and if you need to soak your seed overnight because it's a larger seed, it gives that outer shell, because it is a bigger seed, it gives it time to soften the outer casements. Sometimes, too, it's recommended that if it is a larger seed, if you have a, a, a little bit of a sharper knife, you've got to be careful, though. You nick the outer or straight the outer seed so that it is able to uh, get the moisture further down so that that explosion of that new uh, first root, the hydrocotyl root, to come through. Okay? That's what we're looking for, for that expansion, for that seed to take hold into that soil. Now, to cover or not to cover? If you're at home, there's a lot of the heat mats that you can do. There's a, do you have a heat mat or do you have a warm location set in the sun that you can warm up the soil and keep it consistent? Uh, in the olden days, I heard people used to put it on the top of the fridge because the top of the fridge had a nice little warmth or bottom heat to it at all times. But there's some really cute little heat mats that you can get out there that control the heat, that you're giving constant heat to the soil base until you get your germination. Now, here's the other thing. If you haven't or if you're exploring to get out and take a look at your seed packets, I I know that some of us are experienced gardeners, and they're probably saying, yeah, I know that. But for those that don't know, the information that you're given on the back of the seed packet, and you kind of pair things to the dates of how fast they break or how fast they germinate to how long they have to grow. So if I'm going to plant a marigold, it may be up in a day or two. So I may not want to do it in the same tray as maybe um, some longer ones like snapdragons that take a little bit longer time to break to germinate that's on there. So read the information, set them out on your table and look at the dates of how long it takes to germinate and when to sow them because you'll have your recipe of what you want to do. And when you really get into it and you start doing a lot of sewing, it'll give you that time frame of a you're able to do it, take a little bit of a break, do it some more seeding, and then take a little bit of a break. So the information on the back is going to tell you how many days it takes for the seed probably to germinate, how many days it is from the time from you sow to finish crop, And the other one is probably, um, that's in there, the information, which is really kind of cool to look at too, is, of course, color. The other one is height. And, of course, spread of your plants. And if you're looking at venturing into uh, categories of some flowers, take a look at your uh, flowers because we're enticed by the pretty packages. Some of them are annuals, and some of them, yes, are perennials. And perennials sometimes need to be seeded a little bit sooner because they have a longer time frame to get going. And, of course, if you are sowing some of the perennials, you may or may not get the blooms in the first year. Those are little bit of hints that's on it. So we've talked about seed. We've talked that we need moisture. You want to keep the moisture well that's on it and it's probably best to cover your seeds with a uh, clear plastic for most plants they need a clear plastic to go through now there's there's always a scenario there's always a what if 
But there's some plants, if they're placed just on the surface, will germinate with light. Some need a darkness. One that comes to mind for me is my pansies. The pansies like to be underneath, so they like to be slightly pressed. Or here on our commercial end of it, we like to put a dark cover over top of them just to help them get that true darkness between the germination. All right? There's always a scenario and there's always a tip of why I succeed or why I have challenges. I'm trying to cover all the bases of it so we have good success on your planting. Now, the rationale is that we have the heat. Now, with the cover on the top, it's going to keep the moisture content sort of consistent for that germination. Because if you plant something and the seed is ready to break, breaks open and it goes dry, there is a risk that you may lose that seed. So to back yourselves up, maybe put two or three seeds in one cell just in case one has a little bit of a demise. The other ones will be the backups. So it keeps it growing for you. All right, that's another tip. We always put one or two seeds in just in case one doesn't make it. Covering your seed with a little bit of a dome, it gives you that greenhouse effect which is oh so warm. It keeps the humidity high, it keeps the moisture content high, but every now and then, remember, we want to lift the lid, give it some clean, fresh air for some good air exchange, because air exchange is good, and just to take a peek at sort of see what is happening. Now, if you're seeding into certain areas, we know that we want to seed into well-drained containers, So make sure your containers have drainage, that's key. We've always talked about drainage. We don't want to have things rot. And the size of the pot that you're sowing into does not have to be huge. Actually, the small cells and a lot of the plant seeding, a lot of people are really amazed that we probably sow in something the size of maybe half an inch or a quarter inch to a half inch and maybe a quarter inch or half inch deep. They can stay in those sizes for a fair bit of time because you're going to get the root growth going a little bit better that's on it. You have better control on watering. Yes, better control in watering because if I place one seed of a tomato in a very large uh, cup, then that root system has all that moisture for a long period of time for it to grow. So slow and steady transitioning, slow and steady sort of on the transplant too. All right. Now, when we said that the first set of leaves, when you're germinating, we've kept our water, we've kept it covered. When you start to see the emergence of your first uh, sort of the little root that comes in, I'm going to call it the little root. It looks like white. It emerges from it if you're able to see the seed. And then that first root actually is going to find its way downward before you get a set of leaves that actually start to grow on that plant. Those first leaves are not the true leaves of a plant. I call them the sort of the, the they're like the cotyledons or the, they're the, the, the first leaves that come out, but they're not the identifying leaves of what that characteristic of that plant is going to be. They will change, right? If I uh, talk about tomatoes, let's use tomatoes. We love our tomatoes. The first leaf is very elongated. It comes out, they're long. But we all know the true shape of the true leaf pattern that takes set afterwards. So what happens to those first leaves? Well, once they've done their energy and once that true set of leaves of our tomatoes starts taking form, 
You will see on a lot of plants that the first little set of cotyledon leaves will start to yellow, they'll start to go, and all of a sudden they fall off because they've done their job. They've broken the seed open for you for the growth of what is to come. All right, the lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. And we're intent on seeding because this is the time that we can get rewarded with doing some of the crops that we need to get into our ground. I know that there's a lot of flowers that are out there that unfortunately we do not have seeds for. And a lot of these are those novel ones that you've been, your fingers have been tickling with by looking in some of the gardening magazines that are out there. It's just able to be able to put that into words as to, okay, why can't I grow this? Well, there's a certain amount of seeds that are available that are on the market and there's some beautiful patented uh, plants that just have these different color tones that are in there, like the crazy Tunia series of petunias this year. It makes, yeah, okay, if I say it kind of makes me crazy, but the color combinations, if you have a chance to head out to your garden center and take a sneak peek, some of them are not in bloom, but the tags on them, they will show you a little bit of a tease what is coming up for this spring. We're going to go right to the lines. Abe is waiting. Good morning, Abe. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Yes. Um... I had I went for a walk along the trail last fall, you know, when the plums were ripe. Yep. And I came across a plum tree that and the plums really tasted quite good. And so I picked a few and kept the seeds over winter. Uh is uh, can I transplant them or can I plant them in my garden now or how would I do that? Yeah, with your with your plum seeds, you can definitely if they're dropping cuz naturally if you find that, you know, in the wild walking along and they are dropping, they're naturally going to take form in that aspect if they're given the proper time, right? Yeah. To get it going. But yeah, you can plant it. Uh, I, I, as soon as spring hits and the, the earth is workable, you can do that. But I, just remember, those seeds are going to be a little bit larger. They're going to be a little bit harder. So uh. there's... Sometimes by recommendation of putting it in and, again, soaking the seeds. Because, you know, that pit is very um, big, right? Flat. Yeah. That's on there. So either by doing it, by placing it into uh, between wet toweling will help it. And hopefully you've got the pit from a mature one. Because sometimes when you get a pit that's from one that's... Um, a little bit younger in there. We, we want to have the maturity of the seed, right? Correct? That's right. Yeah. So mm. you can either place it into some water and then plant it so you're secure that uh, it's getting constantly moistened. And at that point, okay, let's take a step back. Do you have two or three seeds or you just have a, uh, a couple? I've got about a dozen, I think it was, I picked. Okay. And Okay. okay, yeah. We, I've got a little excited there because then you can sort of do a little bit of a test on a couple. So A, you can test, uh, put a couple in direct if you wanted to see what happens and keep the ground moistened because you don't know what's going to happen. We could have a very wet spring and that is doing the application of keeping that seed moist mm. naturally. Or I would even take a few of them and do that um, paper towel, plastic bag, uh, cool it, down it's almost called it's a striation that uh, 
of getting things to sprout uh, by stratifying things in the fridge, by keeping it cool with moist papers and everything that's on it? Okay. Okay, yeah. What you're doing is you're, you're replicating what would happen in nature. I'm keeping it wet. It's going through a cooling period. It helps to keep the plants so that they're able to break and get that plant uh, going, okay? Would I have to freeze them? Do they have to go through a freezing cycle before they can germinate? I don't think freezing. Um, you know, it's hard to say that because we look outside and we go, well, all the seeds outside are frozen. But yeah, there's there's an insulating factor that create is created with a lot of our roots and everything underneath, right? So yeah. chilled, chilled in a fridge, it would be going through it. Um, you can place, again, do the same sort of test. If you want to do some at a very cooler temperature and one in the fridge a little bit moderate, because you do have a fair bit of seed there, okay? Yeah. I would do a te- I would do. I'm. I'm more of the investigation. Let's try this and let's try this. Okay. And, then, and uh, if you've got a little bit of a um, a garden journal, it's always mm-hmm. great to see the success and and write down it in a diary. I love garden journals to write yeah. stuff down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I I I'll tell you what I tried already. Sure. <laughs> uh, I I I put them in a. Uh, a dish with uh, some dirt in it, and then I put them in the freezer for about a month and a half or something like that. Yeah. And now I took, well, I had them all winter, but I took them out just a little while ago and put them in the freezer for about a month and a half or so, and then and then I took them out and thawed them and, and planted them in a couple of dishes. Uh, so I don't know, is that the, what is that the wrong thing to do or what? I wasn't um, sure. Yeah I, I, I'm, yeah, I don't know about freezing, like if... Sometimes if you're, it's in a frozen state because, again, the ground has that insulating. It's different when yeah. it's like minus 33, but the ground temperature is going to be a little bit less. Uh, yeah. it's, it's interesting to see, but uh, I would pull them out and get them growing, see what happens. Okay. And when I transplant them from the pot into the garden, is there a special way of doing that? Or just, just pull the plants out of the pot and put them in the garden? Is it well, that simple? I would wait until um, you've got a little bit of a growth that's happened in there because if you're planting it too soon, there's more risk of breaking uh, your stem. So, you know what, you just make um, mom and dad at at home. Good morning, mom, if you're listening. Um, They used to find little saplings and that out uh, in Woodridge. They had property in Woodridge. And if they found things that they grew, by growing it in a pot, for a a couple seasons, then you're able to care for it a little bit better. And we know that we can grow nursery stock in containers because we have all these great nursery uh, that are growing trees and shrubs around us. So if you can do a little bit of it, again, do a test. If you do get germination and then they're in a pot, I would probably do a couple in the ground, but I would keep a couple in a pot and grow it because you have a, a, a little bit more control on that and to overwinter that if you get that stage where you are growing it where it becomes more of a little seedling that's on there uh, for overwintering is going to become a little bit more of a where you're going to have to bury the pot to ground level and give it that winter protection right so so i'd have to i would i would i should plant them in the spring of the year i guess huh yep yeah plant them in the spring of the year 
Yeah, and do it slowly. Again, if it's a small, uh, if it's a small little whip or seedling that comes up, don't automatically put it to a huge pot because it's going to be stressed by all that moisture that it has to absorb. There's more chances of rotting that yeah. rooting system. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So, well, thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. And you know what? You will have to. You're going to have to let us know how it goes, and you're going to have to give us sort of that uh, monthly report on those plums. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to see what happens. Yeah. Oh. I did a seed out of an apple tree one time, and it worked. But then when I transplanted, it died. So. <laughs> yeah. You know what? We, slow. You know what? We're we're all so eager to go. Yes, I've done it. But I'm a true enforcer. Like slow and steady. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's the rabbit and the turtle. The turtle yeah. always wins. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, thanks a lot for the information. This is good. Okay. I'll, Th- I'll, try and, I'll try and remember to let you know. Okay. Thanks, Abe. Thank you for listening to On the Lawn and Garden Journal. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, it's interesting. It's fun. It's just, uh, yeah, mom and dad used to have seedlings of uh, little evergreens going, little apple trees little spruce trees yeah my brother and brandon wow he got a little bit of a windbreak there that's with these beautiful seedlings so you can create something and isn't it wonderful that when you start it by seed and abe's going to be able to look at this plum tree and go you know what i grew that and i grew it from a seed right that's a green thumb all right we're going to go right back to the lines i hope i say your na- name right Reinald is on the line. Hi, how can I help you? Hi, Carla. I'm actually phoning uh, for a question that I asked you actually about three years ago, but I asked you in the phone. You said, call me back in the spring. Now, oh. I've got a three-year-old geranium plant okay. that I kept taking inside. Okay. It's, a, it's about three feet tall. I've had it in my kitchen window, which is a north window. But I also have eight feet of fluorescent lighting above it, which is on 24 hours a day. Okay. So, like I say, it's about a three-foot plant. It's got about eight or nine flowers on it and lots of new buds now as well. And I've done that because I want to do cuttings from it for new plants. Yes. Wow. Three feet tall. And how old is it? It's a three-year-old plant. Three years. You know what, Uh, you just reminded me of, uh, there used to be a gentleman down the street from me here, it was called Bill's Greenhouse, and uh, I didn't have the space for overwintering a lot of the old geraniums, the older ones, and he did a bunch for me, and they are the stockiest and sturdiest plants that are in there, and they make beautiful patio plants. I'm just, yeah, beautiful. (laughs) But three feet tall? That's like... That's that's a lot bigger than what bills were. Like that's that's nice that's yep. on there. Okay, so you want to do cuttings on those, right? Right. Yeah, uh, you can do those cuttings like uh you could have done them I I'm going to say you can do them now or you okay. could have done you could have done them probably about a month ago or so. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And you're going to take it from the 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 tips for sure because you want the softer uh wood because a three-year-old geranium is going to have very uh, woody-looking stems at the lower basis, but your new growth is go- is where you're going to take your cuttings from. 
And okay. uh, you want to make sure you have at least two or three nodes. And a node is a open uh, for an open cut or open wound area that you can put a root stimulant on it for rooting. So the one would be the cut from the stem. That's one. And then okay. if there's two other leaf sets right above that bottom cut that you can cut, don't rip them off, but you're going to get a very sharp pair of uh, either pruners or your gardening shears and just cut those so that then becomes the bottom first cut and then two other cuts. And um, do you have any stem root or uh, root stimulator? Yes. Okay, so use your stem root or your rooting compound, and you could dip that, and then you can either stick it into, uh, there are, do you know what a peat pellet is? Yes. Okay, you can use peat pellets, or you can go direct to soil, uh, but again, start off with your cells small. Don't go automatically to a four-inch pot with tons of soil because there is that stress level that you don't see that is still moist below when the soil is dry on top. Right. Better better control on a smaller uh, thing. Those peat pellets are really, really good, but when you go to transplant, I like taking a little bit of a scissor and opening up that meshing on the peat so it has expansion. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yep. So it, you know, and they're kind of cool because then you start to see uh, on that, on those peat pellets, because they're bound that's on there, you can actually start to see the rooting come through and to the sides of it, right? And it's highly visible, and it makes care a lot easier. Okay. Okay? Yep. Okay, and if you have a rooting uh, rooting hormone that has a little bit of a a fungicide mixture that's to it, I know that uh, Wilson's, uh, uh, there's a product called Wilson's, it's called Roots, and some of yep. it has a little bit of a, a fungicide matter that's to it. So when we're transplanting, I'm not going to say you're going to be a heavy overwaterer, but sometimes I've seen a lot of a little bit too much overwatering, which causes fungal disease and then uh, blights and everything else. So if you've got the roots with a little bit of that fungicide, use it, okay? Okay. Okay. Great. All right. And what okay. color? What color are your geraniums? Are, are the mixtures of them, or do you know the variety name? No, I don't know the variety name. Um, see, what I was doing was I was always buying the ones that were almost sort of like a hot pink. Yep. And then when I bought these ones, and they were, like I say, in like little two-inch pots, or like the little, you know, um, where you've got almost like an ice ice cube tray. Oh, yeah, Okay. That's the way that I bought them, and they were marked as being that hot pink color. Well, they're not. They're almost like a a Chinese red. Oh, well, well, it depends on, A, the labeler, because I've seen a lot of reds that look more fuchsia hot pink than a red, you know? Right. It's like I kind of giggle when they say that they they call a a flower a blue and it comes out a pink. So they play on... but. I think it, if we looked at the fashion, the fashion world, they look at the undertones, you know, that's a pink, that's a pink red, that's a blue red, you know, that's in there. So, uh, yeah, and sometimes it does happen. Uh, you know, occasionally we get roots overseas from uh, some companies that they label the bags. And I know accidents happen and they say it's going to be a white and it ends up being a red. So, yep. you know, not everyone is perfect. So, uh, but I bet you it's beautiful. Oh, it is. 
It's there absolutely you go. beautiful. Yeah, there you go. Well, let me know how you how how successful you are. Or if you need any more help with uh, what you're doing, just give us a call back. We'll help you. Absolutely. And I'm calling from Winnipeg. And you're calling from Winnipeg. Well, I've yep. and I forgot to ask Abe. I got so excited because honestly, this morning I was I was talking to Park. I just sent Parker a little message. He helps here, and I'm like. Is everybody listening? It's so quiet this morning. So I'm I'm glad you it's almost like hello, are you there? So maybe everyone can write the number down and give us a shout next week cuz that we love talking and we love gardening with everyone. Okay? Right. Thank okay. you so much. All right, thank you for calling and thank you for listening to the Lana Garden Journal. And, and welcome back. Oh, <laughs> that was yes. A long winter without you. It was a long winter, but you know what? I'm happy to be back, and I have to say, it's it's nice looking down at my hands and seeing a little bit of mud under my nails. There you go. Exactly. Okay. okay. Thank you. You're okay. very welcome. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, everyone. Easter is coming soon, so go out, visit your garden center, and see and be inspired. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>